Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you build a team this 2023 preseason. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. How are you, my good friend? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, first month of painstakingly seeing all the mistakes that I'm going to make and try to predict them as I build my team is already down. It's hard to believe that there's what less than 60 days now, just over 60 days around that till the season starts. The countdown is on. With us this week is Swizz from Supercoach Insider. Thanks for coming on. No, glad to be here, boys. Always happy to talk Supercoach and footy, so thanks for having me. Everyone does it differently. So, Swizz, I'm interested to hear from you what you think about when putting your team together. What does a player have to have for you to pick them? Oh, have to have. That's <laughs> it's always interesting. Um, I always like to see, the, first of all, the consistency. Um and not just the scoring, but they're um, getting on the park. That's the big thing. I'm not a big fan of like the injury-prone players. If it's like a, a once-off injury, you know, somebody returning from a long-term injury, that's a different story. But, you know, your Elliot Yo's is the one like doing my head in at the moment because the last sort of two, three years, uh, you know, he's missed so many games. I just don't like that sort of nightmare. So that's the, that's the, the big one. And then, yeah, as I said, scoring consistency with those guys. Um, also, when especially come say a ruck, because I've had a couple of questions about, about say Sam Draper, for example, breaking out this year. Um, I like to know that they've actually done it in the past um, and shown that they've got the ceiling. Um, so somebody like um, uh, the Swan Swans by oh god, it's just lost my name, um, uh, Golden who showed in a few games last year that he can go 120, 130. That's what I'm looking for in a guy that's breaking out. That And even if they've only done it two, three, four times, I know that they've got the potential where someone like Draper has never shown me it. So that that's what I'm looking for in those sort of players. Very good. We'll get straight into the questions because there's quite a few to answer. Um, the first one is actually directed straight at me. Uh, from Abs Magic on Twitter. He finished fourth <laughs> last season. Um, he wants to know what I think about Matthew Johnson and Corey Wagner. Matthew Johnson wasn't in the A team in their intra-club today, but he did have a very good game. Um, he seems to be staking his claim to take over that vacant Blake Akers position on the wing. Um, I thought he was the leading candidate until he didn't make the A team today, but I still think that he's a pretty good chance to take up the role because Ethan Hughes and Liam Henry didn't really cover it all that well um, in the game today. Uh, so at the moment, pretty good option to put on your bench. As for Corey Wagner, um, big watch on his hamstring injury uh, sustained during Ninja Club late last week. Hopefully it's only short term because he was already doing light running after the session after he came off. So hopefully it's just a couple of weeks that he's out with that. But he was looking really good distributing the ball off halfback in those intra-club games that he played. He's probably in direct competition with Nathan Wilson and Brandon Walker for that position, but no one's ahead in the pecking order just yet. Um, how good Matty Johnson today. And that He just apparently just racked the ball up at will. And um, you know, apparently he's got really good synergy in the skills with Brasher and Sarong. So you know, that's always going to put him in good stead. And Wagner, they've obviously put him on the list. You know, those mature age guys, they're not putting a 25, 26-year-old just to sort of be a list clogger. Um, so, yeah, definitely in the mix, and hopefully his hammy gets right. Sticking with Fremantle for the next question, Marty Holden, uh, he's tossing up between having five or not. His value seems good. So he's, like you said, you don't like a player with injury history, and you talked about Elliot Yo. 
I think I like Fife more than I like Yo, but it's it's a struggle to have either one of them. I don't think you can have both. Um, it, today Fife was playing sort of like a sweet sweeping role across half forward, and was on the end of a lot of clearances. Kicked a few goals, got involved up on the wings a little bit. Positively, he had no strapping anywhere on his body. So he must be feeling pretty good about himself not having to be a midfielder. What that does to his scoring, I don't know. But I still think at his price, if he can hold on for six, seven, eight, nine weeks without getting injured and can average 90 to 95 being a pure forward or half forward, I still think he is good value. Um, What do you guys think about Nat Fife? Do you want to go first, mate, or do you want? <laughs> that's all right. Um, sorry, I cut you off before, so that's that's on me. Um, that five. That look is is it weird to say that the injury is not my biggest concern about Nat Fife? It's whether he actually has a role that will allow him to average not the ninety that we would need to consider him quote unquote successful. Um, that that's probably my biggest thing. Like, I'd rather wait and jump on that rocket as it's rising then start him at his price. Yeah, I've um I've got Yo in at the moment over Fife. But I don't even like that. But the only reason I've got Yo in because of the role, um, he's either going to play midfield or halfback, which we know those sort of premiums score easier there. Fife now we are relying him on to take contested marks, kick goals, or maybe get on the end of it. Um yeah, he's good enough to get up the ground, but they don't need him to do that now. And, you know, obviously they're trying to find ways of getting guys like Johnson in. Um, and they've already got, you know, your Sarongs and Brayshaws have been doing it for so long. Yeah, okay, Mundy leaves a hole and has been playing there for a while. Um, but they've just got, you know, Erasmus. The, you know, they've got kids there who are screaming for opportunities and it's not Fife anymore. So I think on any given day, Fife can probably, he'll pump out maybe a 121 week. I'm worried about the following week where he goes out and scores 50. Um, and do I want that headache because he's, I think his scoring gen is going to just stagnate, um, you know, on any given week. We're going to sit there and go, yes, he's got a break even or zero or something. And next week pumps out of 40 and it's like, okay, where do we go with that? Where I think Yo's body's much worse, but I think I can trust him more to get those 90s. Freya have a pretty good starting fixture. Um, I think they play St Kilda and then North Melbourne. I think Gold Coast is in that first few few weeks. Play Adelaide in those first few weeks. Does that sway you at all with the fixture? Kind of, but then you look at West Coast start with North Melbourne and Giants. Like probably the two, maybe with Hawthorne, the two worst teams in the comp this year. Uh, so if Yo gets anywhere near that midfield, and that I would rather a piece of him. Fife still, I don't think it matters what competition Fife comes up because it's going to be the matchup. Um, he's still, he's just going to be good enough to beat most opponents. But we've seen that with Bont playing as a full-time forward and that doesn't necessarily these gun guys go forward and actually score. And Fife scoring was low last year when he played those forward games. So, yeah, it's all for the role for me. And, yeah, if I can get over, if Yo can prove to me that he's injury-free, then I'm more confident than him as much as five showing at the moment that he's looking good. So pr- just correct me if I'm wrong. Price changes are the same as they have been previous years. So not going to start until round three. Is that correct? So even if 
like Frio have that, you know, they play St. Kilda and North one and two, and then round three is West Coast. Sure. But then after that, it only gets more difficult for them. So you're not really seeing much of a benefit, I think, in terms of cash generation, even if you were to look at Fife that way at, at 300k, really the minimum I think you would look at him for is, oh, well, he's best 22 if he's fit. So that upside, like you're not getting the maximum sort of cash gen that you would get rather than, you know, there's less risk of, you know, starting, say, even a Ben King, who it's probably another similar example coming off a big injury, hasn't played a lot of footy, but Ben King's only 176k. And it's like, yeah, he needs goals and stuff, but the the, the risk and the floor is much lower for that to be a complete failure and ruin your week. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking F4, which is is that going too deep in the midfield, uh, in the forward line, when you've got, you know, your McLeans, Oscar Allens, Kings, Josh Bruce is apparently playing behind the ball. So if in a year where we didn't have all these 150 to 200 guys, I'd be like, yeah, you're locking five. But and even a little bit with the defense with Yo, because we've got so many of these options, you know, Bose and Cofield and Hunter Clark and stuff. And that's where the struggle is going. Can I fit all these guys in that I want? Um, and probably the other reason why I've got Yo in there at the moment is because I know I can go down. It's easy to go down to Clark or, or Cofield if I want them. Um and, and Fife, it's just because I've got the extra primo in the forward line with Dunks, uh, Cogs, and Taranto. So I guess you could be weighing up and going, okay, maybe I'll have Fife at F3, but there's just so many other options and that at a cheaper price who could prob- potentially do similar scoring to him. We'll move on to the next question. I think we answered that one pretty, pretty well. Um, the changing dual position players has me completely baffled. This is from Derek in the website comments regarding what to do with my forward line. I finished last year with Bont, Parker, Liber, English, Heaney, and Brody as my forwards. Three out of six started the season as non-forwards. So how many forward premiums should you start? It's a good question because the prospect of DPP additions has definitely changed some strategies and disrupted a few theories about what to do with starting teams at either end of the ground. How are you guys looking at it? I love this question. I debated it big time with Ben and Chris. I agree what Chris was saying when we were talking about it, um, thinking we're not going to get as blessed this year like we were last year. Um, there was a ridiculous amount of players that picked up forward status, you know, your Parkers and Bonds and Libbers and who knows. Like I, I, I just can't see us getting that many, but I still think we probably get at least two worthwhile ones. And that's where the debate where we were talking about before with how deep do you go in your forward line knowing at some point, like mids, there's going to be mids that are going to pick up forward. I'm, I'm not thinking the other way around, like mids picking up defensive status necessarily as much. But um, yeah, I think there's still a couple. I think they could pick up defensive status as Crisp and, and Pendles. I think one of them possibly does it. But um, you've always got that that issue with the Bulldogs. Um, even leave, losing Dunkley, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, Trelaw, Bailey Smith's going to run through there. Um, you expect Liber to be more full time and Bont and McRae now, uh, but the, yeah, I think Trelaw is always that potential one if he keeps his body fit that you could be looking at. Um, the GWS is always another one. How many of those kids that they want to get through? Uh, yeah, they've lost Taranto and Hopper, which opens up a couple opportunities. But you think Tom Green's locked in there? They really like Finn Callahan. Um, 
you know, the, the, they always like to throw in a couple of rookies too. And that's before we get on to, you know, so Keneally is already a forward. We've seen before Kelly can play a lot of forward. So we don't know what Kingsley's going to do exactly with rotating. And does he do uh, have a free swing at it and get as many of those kids through there as possible? Um, and maybe look at moving a couple of those guys forward. So, yeah, it, it's hard to predict. And then that's even before we get into the rucks, like Max Gorn. Um, you know, how much forward time does he play? And then what happens if, say, round 12, Grundy goes down again, and then you've got this dilemma of going, you have to get Gorn in as one of those forward spots. I'll so. say this right now. When Gorn loses all of his money and gets his forward status, say, halfway through the year, I will buy him at 400k just to bring him in in case that happens. Mm. It's it's insane that that's, that's probably the furthest I've thought about DBB, to be quite honest. I'm like, man, I can't wait to have Max Gorn as a forward about yeah. halfway through the year. Yeah, so, so Max Gorn, you'd think, is a good chance to get it if the split sends him forward or even back. Max Gorn could be a defender. Um, we, 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 we could see that as, as well. But the other players um, likely to gain forward eligibility throughout the season, uh, Travis Boak has been training with the forwards at Port Adelaide. Luke Parker could always earn, earn it again at the Swans. Uh, Riley O'Brien has been training with the forwards at the Crows. Could Dangerfield or Sam Menegola get it again? Um, yeah, I don't think there's enough players that could earn it where you need to completely change your structure or prepare your structure to wait for something better to come along. But putting players on your watch list that could gain it is good because obviously because it means you're preparing for what could come. And it was a new thing that we're still all learning about learning how to prepare for. And I think this year people are probably thinking too hard about it. Last year, no one really knew what to expect. They didn't change the way that they started their teams. Whereas this year, people are probably thinking about it a bit too much. And once you overcomplicate things, that's when you start to do stupid things with your starting team. Yeah. Uh, and uh... I agree, and that's what Chris was saying the other day to me about not completely butchering your team just to, to fix that, um, but yeah, still be mindful of it. The other one is like we kind of don't know who the top two rucks are going to be this year. I think the rucks is going to really define this decision, um, but a lot of people are liking the starting of Darcy Cameron with the view that he becomes a forward um, when whoever that second ruck puts their hand up to be. So that's already one spot I'm already looking at my forward line when I'm not thinking all going well, Darcy Cameron's at F6. So it leaves me five spots. And if I'm starting three primos, this is where the debate sort of comes in and going, okay, I've got potentially two spots. If, and that's not before taking into account one of those forwards who might drop cash early, where I might go like, you know, a lot of hype about Rosie. We've got Butters in there. Um, you know, Dylan Moore, what's his role? He looked really good last year. And rumours he's around that midfield again. And then Goulden, which is another hype player. Like, does he get more midfield time? And however, the Swans play him versus Parker. So, um, yeah, there's a, there'll be some options that'll come up who will definitely get cheap, cheaper. Um, and, yeah, how much planning do you go? Or how early do you jump on some of these guys who drop cash? And do you not then, are people not going to drop, jump on them because they're thinking, oh, Max Gorn or somebody else is going to jump in later on. So I think that's going to be some defining moments throughout the season. My definitive answer, I think, for the question of how many do you start, I think at this time, like as with every year, it's going to be dictated by where the rookies are available. Um, 
there's plenty of bargain price players there. So I would say you could probably comfortably say I would, I would say minimum would be two. And for me personally, maximum three. Like, I don't think I feel comfortable going more than three. And that's factoring in, to be quite honest, depending on what happens in the Ruck situation, I'd be happy to have Darcy Cameron as my R2 for the entire year. I'd, if another forward presents themselves, or if I move him in and then go the, you know, say like a life set on the way up you know he's somebody who's possibly set to get some more and it gives you that time to wait and see so i mean thinking on it i mean alone you've got the mature ages and the people coming back from injury like the mcleans the kings the the bruces you know that we know are coming in to those forward lines at basement level prices so spend up elsewhere <laughs> like, exactly. for me like spend up in a line and get a player that you're happier to have get an extra mid you know mm-hmm. and just sit with those three or two and feel comfortable that you're going to have the cash rolling in yep. Clarky, you mentioned ben king earlier is his scoring going to be worth spending the extra 50k that's from fraser kenny on twitter if there's no one else his, I, his job security might tip the scales in his favor. Well, that's it. Like it's Ben King. Like he's coming back from an ACL, which is a tough injury, but plenty of players have done that and gone on to be incredibly successful. Um, you know, it's not unheard of for players to come back from injury. And it's all about it, that balance of a gold coast has his preseason been a gold coast going to just throw him right in there. And he's going to be, no worries, him and Chol up forward or whoever are just going to absolutely nail it or are they going to ease him in a bit more? I still think I feel better having him in my draft teams going, that's someone who I know is going to play if there's not another rookie that maybe has more job security. I mean, um, speaking as the Melbourne fan in the room, like we're talking about JVR, um, Jacob Van Ruyen, and that's great. I think he's an absolutely stellar kid, and I would love for him to have a spot in our forward line. But also, I know that Simon Goodwin is not afraid to go, well, look, you know, like JVR played this week, but, you know, Tom McDonald was playing at Casey and he had a much better game, and he's just, his form is a lot better. And they'll send him out, and it's not about, one player being good enough for it's just about not being as good as the next guy in. So Ben King is best 22 day in day out because he's the core of that, you know, standard forward line. Like he's the big guy. He's the take marks, kick goals. And some weeks that's going to be good. And some weeks that's going to be bad. And if he goes back to averaging 53, I think he, I think he averaged in his last full season, he's going to make about a hundred K for you, which most people want 150k out of their rookies, but I think getting 100k out of him, you could always just take the 100k, downgrade him, and then put that money away for somewhere down the track. He's done his job. He's made his money for you. If you're selecting him, he's not going to get. He's not going to peak at 350, 400k. He's going to peak at maybe about 300k, and that might not be enough to move you to a premium with an, with with another rookie but that extra money is enough to hold on to to assist you later down the track looking looking at it stats wise so 2021 
uh, right up until they had the round 12 by Gold Coast, he averaged 66.8 as of round 11 that year at a price of 343k. Like, that's, the, the, that's serviceable. For me, he's like he's got a better midfield kicking to him than he was that at that time. Uh, the fixture kind of scares me a little bit because Sydney Geelong Fremantle in his first five games, probably not going to get a harder defence to play against. Um, but, you know, with you know, Anderson Rowell, just, you know, they've actually got Jets kicking the ball to him now, where a couple of years ago, yeah, um, it was a bit of a struggle. So I think he's still good enough to kick a couple of goals a game, take a couple um, big, you know, clunks in the forward line, which should get him to that at least 50 points. And as you said, you know, that's sort of around that mark where it's good enough to make 100K. Anything else is, you know, a bonus. They do have North Melbourne round six. Um, so if you did have him in the team, there's that potential where he could get a bag. Um, and that's, it's a bit of the FOMO with him. And that, like, I'm worried that there's one of those weeks, you know, Essendon North, West Coast, if you have him still in round nine, um, he could get hold of one of those lower teams. And that, like... You know, he's obviously a talent and, and maybe enough weeks in the league then um, where he could have a six, sort of seven-goal game, score of 120, It's not out of the – like, I think the other games he probably goes 50, 60. But, yeah, you, I'm worried if you miss out on that and that, that just obviously puts you behind the eight ball because I think he's going to get a lot of love from other player, um, you know, super coach players. Frank Foote in the website comments wants to know, what do we think about Jack Zebel if he lines up across halfback again for the Kangaroos? No. No, thank you. No, no. thanks. And it's, it's because of the players, like there's talk about Taron um, Taron Thomas is going to do it. We know Lukey McDonald, Aaron Hall, how, depending on how many weeks he um, works. And then Gota. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of uh, love for that kid. I think he kicks off left and right foot. So, you know, do they go? Are they really going to go with Zebel? No. He was good for half a year that one year because as soon as Aaron Hall got put into that back line, he his, his scoring dropped off. Um, and if he was going to do the role by himself, maybe, but he's not going to be doing that role by himself. They've even been talking about Blake Drury, who they picked up with the first pick in the rookie draft. Playing on playing across half back and up on the wings as well, and he's I think he recently featured in their A team during an intra club as well. So he um so I mean I if Jack Siebel was going to be doing it by himself, I might have considered it, but I don't think he's going to be doing it anywhere. I don't think he's going to spend enough time down there being the sole distributor of the ball to make his to to, to make him worthwhile. Yeah, outside of potential rookies um, or the guys at North who we know only do like one thing, um, you know, the, the Jai Sinkins, the Ben Cunningtons, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm really struggling to bring myself around to these utility guys who are very talented players, but I don't I don't know what they're going to be doing week in, week out. And I kind of, you know, it's like Aldi, Jack Zebel for me is like Aldi version of how I think about James Sisley, where I'm like, oh, okay, well, what's he going to be doing this week like what's it going to look like for a new team new coach new system new players young talent i'm finding it really hard to sort of let myself pick those kinds of players um and and there's a lot of them floating around at the moment because it is january still 
John on the website comments wants to know if we would choose Darcy Cameron over Dylan Moore. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that we know Darcy Cameron, uh, what was his final average last year? 85, but after round seven, average 97. Playing probably 70, 30 ruck with Cox, potentially even more if they go a different way. Um, that, that's if Cox even gets his you know, position in the team. I think Cameron's a 95 to 105 guy. And that Dylan Moore potentially could, if he played full-time midfield, could be you know, close to those triple figures. But I've got more safety in what Cameron does. It feels safer to start Darcy Cameron because you don't know how the Hawks will line up. Dylan Moore could spend time forward, could spend time in the midfield, but because their midfield has basically been gutted throughout the trade period, Mitch Lewis recently went down, so who? So there's no one to kick to in the forward line now. There's so much unknown about how the Hawks will line up. Darcy Cameron, even with the unknown about the ruck split at Collingwood and who will back him up on game days, just feels like the safer selection. Yeah, 100%. Yep, no notes from me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question of the day. Who has a better chance of breaking out, Luke Davies, Uniac, or Tom Green? Is it risky to start both? That comes from our email. It comes from uh, Ryan. I love both of those players. But you'd have to say Tom Green is the better chance with the information we have now. Is it risky to start both? No. Should you start no, both? God. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's look, you you pick your you pick your battles, you pick your players, and I think everybody every super coach player out there probably has one or two in their team where they're like, nah, this is the guy that I've just it's all vibes, it's all just good feelings. You look at them and their name kind of sparkles in the app. Um and LDU has kind of been one of those guys for me. And it's, you know, you, you got to pick your battles. I think Tom Green almost seems less risky because of the way that GWS look like with their current player list. And we've spoken about it to death, but, you know, I encourage you to start both if you're feeling good right now. If it's in your draft team, feel good about it. Because as I've said many weeks prior, you're not wrong in January. Nobody's wrong in January. Have fun. Yeah, no, I, I, both are valid options, but I think, yeah, you, you choose the one you like more. Tommy Green's in my team at the moment, so that's the one I like. Yeah, I think the red carpet's rolled out for Tom Green to take the reins at the Giants. Um, no Taranto, no Hopper, so he seems the safer one out of the two. That, that he's, he's not a sure thing, but he's probably the safer one out of the two. Um, I think Luke Davis-Uniak is also working his ba- his way back from um, surgery in the off-season as well, so he hasn't quite hit full training yet, which hopefully he gets there soon because any later and he's probably not a good selection, especially to start off with. He's one to target around the buys when he, when he gets that break in the middle of the season and can go full tilt towards t- towards the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think a few people, it's a good debate in that midfield too because, you know, we've still got so many good high-priced midfielders. 
um, and how many of them or those premiums do you really want to start? And we, we talked about that before with the forward line and saying, okay, do you want two? Do you want three? Do you want to move that money into the forward line? Um, I think you feel better seeing green and LDU at M5. Um, I've heard people talking M3, M4. As you said, it's January. No one's wrong, but it looks safer with green or LDU at M5. And I mean, look, looking at the scores as well from 22, basically, it kind of feels like that Tom Green started the season last year as good as LDU finished it. So, you know, it's it's once again, it comes back down to as well, role. Like we want, we want to like the role and we want to know what they're going to be doing. Like LDU finished the year really great, but... In that offseason, they brought in Clarko. They've got all these young kids. They're restructuring everything. And North, they're building themselves back up from the bottom of the ladder. Like, that's that's their aim. So, you know, how does he fit in with his splits? Who, What groups is he going to work with? Maybe he, he has to change position at some point because they've got somebody else that they think is a better fit for how they want to play. Um, Tom Green is an out-and-out midfielder and... They started him as a midfielder GWS last year under Leon. Uh, Leon's now gone, and but they also don't have any other midfielders, so <laughs> it's um it's it's definitely splitting hairs, I think, to a certain degree. But Tom Green does feel a lot better. The the little left field discussion what we had the other day, Clarko with Hawthorne. I'm trying to remember if there was any real Hawks in those Supercoach teams that you went outside of Tom, when they recruited Tom Mitchell where you went, okay, this guy's a 115, 120 guy. I always thought in their best teams, it was more split. They were sort of, you know, even when you had your Hodges and Mitchells and stuff like that, you know, they're great footballers, gun footballers, but not necessarily the top super coaches. And that I don't think Clarko, like, and I think everybody thinks of Mitchell, but it's just the way that guy plays. Does, do, does he try to, you know, blank canvas again? try to create a team where it's not about that one player just dominating, but it's multiple people doing, you know, um, you know, shared roles and, and building a championship side. So does LDU regress a little bit because of that, because he's going to play a bit more of a role or play both ways? Um, yeah, there's a few unknowns there, how Clarko is going to approach their, um, their setup. I just quickly looked up Sam Mitchell. Yep. He averaged 110 in 2005, 106 in 2006. Had a few years where he averaged about 98 to about 101. Then averaged 113.5 in 2011, 110.8 in 2012. Had a few more years stuck around the 90s to to 100. And then in 2015, averaged 108.7. So... Some of those years, he probably would have been a, a top eight midfielder. Other years, he probably would have been one of those annoying 550k ones that you kind of move move away from when you're building your team unless you see a clear role change. So you're right in that there wasn't really a standout midfielder at the Hawks when Alistair Clarkson was in charge apart from Tom Mitchell in his Brownlow year. Yeah, exactly. No, that's. I just think that's the way he coaches and builds teams. Um, and the proof's in the pudding. Like the guy's one of the greatest coach, if not the greatest coach of all time. So um, I, I just think once you've got a blueprint that's worked, 
you know, does that how is that how he tries to bring all these guys through when they've got some good young options going to come through that midfield um, out on top of the two guys that they've recruited this year. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't think it's going to be just rely on LDU like we're thinking. Um, but in saying that, it's the same with Kingsley and GWS. Like we all think it's going to be the bull Clayton Oliver style. Tom Green goes in there and just smashes it. There's no guarantees that happens at GWS either. That's right. The return of Josh Kelly. Yes. He's not a forward anymore, baby. <laughs> That's all the questions for today. Clarky, thank you. You've got a project going. What do you need from the community? Yeah, so if you head over to my Twitter uh, at QuantumJC, uh, I've got there, I've made a little Google form um, that just asks for, so I'm asking for questions that people may have had when they were first creating a super coach team. So I'm talking, like we get great questions every week that are very nuanced and sort of from the perspective of people who really understand football or are at least football inclined. Um I've always had an interest of how we can lower the barrier for people to get into Supercoach. You know, we had DR on last week who um, said, you know, as a primary school teacher, he uses Supercoach to help teach maths. So we know that there are there's aspects of the game that are fun that are not singularly about sport. But I do want to kind of have a list of these questions and possibly collate them into some kind of article and hopefully explain, you know, it's, it could be as simple as I don't know what a cash cow is. Cause I remember when I started five years ago or so I, somebody said the word cash cow to me and I was like, ah, yes, of course. And then spent the next 15 minutes trying to figure out what it meant on the yeah, internet. And then you Google it and it just comes up with a sunrise cash cow. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Koshi dancing around <laughs> what we like to see. Um, so you can head over to there. It's an anonymous Google form. I'm not taking anyone's email addresses or anything like that. Um, it's literally, fill out the two questions anything you can think of and i'll try to put some of the simpler ones into i want to put them into sort of a like a just an faq kind of piece um feel free to jump over on that if you if you feel up to it even if you're a veteran player and you think back and you go i really struggled with that in my first years um it's all valid you know it's all good information so you can just head over it's on my twitter at quantum jc it should be my pinned tweet uh at the moment and i'll probably keep that open for a couple of weeks and then around the end of feb we'll hopefully have something to show for it and i'll stick that in the uh website post as well so it's easy to find thanks for joining us swizz what have you and the rest of the Supercoach insider boys got coming up for us this preseason yeah, outside talking our normal crap, um, we're actually doing our team reviews um, at the moment. So uh, Adelaide, Brisbane and Carlton will be coming out over the next couple of days. We work through each team in quite a lot of depth. They're usually about an hour long podcast um, and, and, and really, you know, pull apart, um, you know, your premiums, rookies, but um, also, you know, draft smokies and just sort of game strategy changes around them. Um, and we've also been doing our, and um, my followers out there on Swiss 26 have been getting into me because I haven't done mine yet, but our road to round one. Um, so it's a series of, yeah, how our team has been going to evolve and just kind of an opportunity for the community to follow us and, and go, okay, yeah, interesting that how this is changing and, and what's our latest thoughts on team development. So that's where we're at at the moment. No, we love all the work you guys do as well. Um, I know Ben has been busy on TikTok as well. Yes. Uh, at Supercoach Insider had a 10-part series of uh, kind of similar to what I was looking at with just, you know, 
some 10 simple rules for starting your super coach team. Um, so you can go check them out on TikTok as well. Yeah, no, the, the TikTok's been going massive on that. So really love the support on there. So appreciate it, boys. Use hashtag Jock Mailbag to get your question answered in the next episode and use code 990360 to join the Jock Reynolds group. And we'll talk next time.